Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. You're listening to the Glory Hunters podcast this week. Brentford v Fulham. How exciting. Dominic Frisby joining us for Fulham. Hello, Dominic. Hello, Charlie. Thanks for joining us. My pleasure. Uh, um, do you, are you a Fulham season ticket holder or do you go a lot? I used to be the pitch side announcer oh, at Fulham. Well, we'll hear about that in the actual podcast, Dominic, I think. But uh, do you go to the matches at all? Well, I grew up in Fulham and I hmm. used to... No, um... we'll take that as a no. <laughs> um, <laughs> Stephen, have yes, you been to Fulham away? No, I've not been uh, on away games, though Brighton tend to have a popular away day there. We tend to do quite well uh, mm. when we've been to the cottage. Uh, no, but genuinely, uh, it's a you know, lovely part of West London. And on the Brentford team is Jacob Hawley and Natalie Sawyer. Jacob... Ever been to Brentford away? I've, I've, not, I, I've, not, I've not been to the famous Brentford ground. I, I, I don't think I will get to it now before, oh, before then. Sadly say goodbye. I've been to Hounslow though and had some great Indian food, so well, close enough. That's more or less the same, isn't it, Natalie? Well, we're in the London borough of Hounslow. Do you so. want to recommend a curry house while we're here, Natalie, in the Hounslow area? Well, Peppers. I had one last night. Eat at Peppers. <laughs> there we are. Here's the podcast. <laughs> Hello, I'm Charlie Baker and welcome to Glory Hunters, the show that stretches fan loyalty to new lengths. Our guests are given the opportunity to represent the team they've always supported in a sporting showdown of wit. But who will be quick on the draw and who will be firing blanks? It's up for grabs now on Glory Hunters. This week we're playing for the pride of West London as Fulham take on Brentford. Comedian and author Dominic Frisby is representing Fulham alongside team captain Stephen Grant. Hello. Hello. Nice to see you. And on the team sheet for Brentford, who else but Natalie Sawyer <laughs> and with team captain Jacob Hawley. How's it going, Ooh, mate? Very, very good. I'm playing for Brentford and Natalie's not the captain. It's unbelievable. I, I, I feel very odd, but it's great to have a, a leader. <laughs> a, a new leader. Right a new leader. quiet so, leader. Yes. I'll, be, I'll be taking instructions from the back seat. Don't worry about Going to come to Brentford in a minute. Dominic, welcome to Glory Hunters. Thank you very much. Thanks for joining us. You were match day, do you call it compare? Pitch side announcer. Pitch side announcer for a while at Fulham. Well, I was for two games. Two Two games. Two games. (laughs) How long had Diddy David (laughs) Hamilton done it? I think Diddy Diddy had done it for maybe I don't know twenty or thirty years. Okay. Okay. And and then. they were moving back to Craven Cottage. They'd had a temporary residence at uh, Loftus Road That'd and they were moving back yeah. to Craven Cottage. And they had this idea that they were going to make Craven Cottage an intimidating place <laughs> for opposition fans to visit. 
and uh, there in order to and which, which sounds fair enough in principle until you consider the fact that you know Fulham is full of people called Charlie and Rue and <laughs> and Piers and none of whom have ever intimidated anyone in their lives. <laughs> And, um, Except for you, Charlie. Obviously. Well, yeah, I was very, just thinking that. Very intimidating. It was more sort of public school Charlie than West yeah. Country Charlie, yeah, if yeah. you know what I mean. <laughs> They're singing things. Like, well, maybe you are West Country public school Charlie. I don't know, but absolutely not. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but they would, you know, full and fat Charlie and Rue trying to be intimidating is things like, "Would you care to go home in an ambulance?" <laughs> yeah, and that yeah, kind of thing. Yes. You're going to get your ruddy head duffed up. <laughs> and hope you've got Booper. And um, <laughs> so it sounds fair enough in principle, but that, that was the underlying problem. But they had this idea that they were going to get a, a, a match day compare to G up the crowd. Nice. And so they got in touch with a chap called Jeff Whiting, who I'm sure you know, who mm. books a lot of comedians around the country. And Jeff put a few names forward, and I was one of the people they put forward because um, I grew up in Fulham. And they auditioned us, and I got the job. Ah. And uh, so it was the first day of the season, Craven Cottage, Fulham against Bolton in the days when Sam Allardyce was manager of Bolton. Lovely, yeah. And uh, I went on the pitch and, and uh, warmed up the crowd. And I did an OK job. But in the meantime, Diddy had gone to the Sun and oh. complained about the fact that he'd lost his job. And there was this whole campaign to get Diddy his job back. And the Sun dubbed it Diddy Gate. Nice. <laughs> Lovely. And, um, and then the climax of the thing is Al Fired had recently been on the um, Ali G show doing oh, yeah. this rap. And he got it in his head that he was a really good rapper. <laughs> so, uh, so he had this idea that he was going to go on the pitch at, at, before the game and do this priest, do this rap. And um, what's his name? Lily Allen's dad. Oh yeah, Keith Allen. Keith yeah. Allen had Spit written out the rap of for, this parish. Yeah, of this parish. And Fulham fan, diehard Fulham fan, had written this rap for him. And then Al Fired went on the pitch to do this rap. And the DJ, and anyone who's done raps in comedy clubs will tell you this is a risk in the days of CDs, which is the DJ puts on the wrong track. Excellent. And that's exactly oh, what the uh, DJ did oh, at Fulham. No. He put on the wrong backing track. And Al Fired, who was you know, dearly loved by the Fulham fans, just watching him try and get out of jail and do a rap to the wrong backing track. I'm sure he just With, freestyled something, did he? Well, <laughs> I think he just looked... He had... He died. He just Charlie, broke out to some parkour. It was yeah. <laughs> to, he, how did the end come? He so, died a death. Oh, dear. He died a death. So why did you only last two games? Because the... Well, this was, this was my second game. Oh. And, and I remember the PR woman standing there just going, oh, my God, this is an unmitigated disaster. You're going to lose your job. I'm going to... And I was thinking, why am I going to lose my job? The DJ put on the wrong backing track. But anyway, I lost my... Uh, I lost my who job. took over? Did he? Did he? Back. Did he got the... Did he? Good, did he? yes, he did. Yeah. <laughs> very, very... Stephen, you, you must have been on the pitch at Brighton a few times. I have, I know the pitch side announcer. He's a naturally incredibly depressed man. <laughs> it's it's really odd because they asked if I would like to do it yeah. because I was I sort of host the club, the Brighton Hove Albion podcast, and and do other few and other bits and bobs, and I've done their kind of. Uh, I mean, I've done their Christmas entertainment for players, staff and invited guests. And that was in the days of Sammy Hippier. And Sammy cool. Hippier was on a seven-game losing streak. <laughs> and uh, they set up a little mic for him to give a little pep talk to everyone beforehand. And Sammy Hippier is absolutely enormous. The best part of 
about six foot nine or something like that. And the mic stand only went up to about six two. So he had to sort of lean over into it like this. So you had this sort of mostly broken man trying to work out how to manage in English football, just leaning into the microphone going, sure, it's going to be okay. We all pull together. It's going to be right. It was awful. It was like, it was like, it was like, it was like watching somebody any last request before they go into the guillotine and you'd like to apologise for anything. And um, there's a clump of us who get to do stuff. But he, he prefers to do it. And he does all the shout outs. And sometimes they leave his mic on. Oh. And uh, and every time he just he just he never says anything dodgy, but he's got you know how people have got a natural sigh at the end of a sentence, <laughs> and he'll say something like and he goes you know and our captain for today Dale Stevens, oh. <laughs> 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 and, and just and there was just with this sense of. Onyu in malaise will just sort of spread across the crowd. It's, it's quite good, actually. Kind of, it's, it's gravitas, but not much enthusiasm. Very good. Here we go. The scene is set for a West London derby. Fulham v Brentford. To see all kick off, we start with a clip of Jose Mourinho explaining that regardless of the number of clubs he's managed in the past, at night, he's a one-club man. I think they have to see me as Mr Inter, uh, Mr Real Madrid, Mr Porto. I think they have to see me as Mr. Club, which means every club that I go, as I used to say in a funny way, I arrive, I wear the pyjama of the club and I even sleep with the pyjama. Uh, I work and I sleep, you know, tracksuit, pyjama, you confuse the tracksuit with the pyjama. So that's the way I am. I am a club man, but many clubs man. There we are, Jose Mourinho, really preparing for lockdown. <laughs> it's really confusing tracksuits with pyjamas. Can you tell me, according to the Spurs website, how much is a pair of men's pyjamas in the club shop? How much does a pair of men's pyjamas cost in the club shop? It's sealed bids. So while both teams confer, here's a short musical interlude. So the bids are in and we're looking for the cost of a pair of men's Tottenham Hotspur pyjamas from the club shop. Here we go. We've got Fulham FC represented by Dominic and Stephen and they have said 49.95. Oh. I hope they'd be silk for that. I know, that seems like a lot. And Jacob and Natalie for Brentford, you have said £30. The price is... Thirty pounds. Oh, yes. <laughs> Unreal from there, from Brentford. That means Brentford. You will kick off next as both teams try and convince me that they are the biggest footballing force here today. As we do this. My club's bigger than your club. My club's bigger than your club. We want each of our guests to tell us why they are the biggest club here today. They're free to employ any reasoning they wish. This isn't about medals on the table. This is an exercise in winning hearts and minds. Brentford, you are going to go first and your 30 seconds starts now. OK, so where do we start? Uh, Brentford has nine letters. Fulham has six. So mm. we'd win a battle alone if it came down to Scrabble or Countdown. Nice. We can afford stripes and colour in our shirts. <laughs> you just play in black and white. Uh, we're so good that we've never lost a European Cup final. Uh, I'm sure many can't say that they have held a title since 1942. We certainly have. We are the champions of London. We are the reigning London War Cup 
champions, I'll have you know. And uh, we do, of course, have real heroes at Brentford, not like Fulham, who were so short of them, they had to have a statue of a pop star outside of their ground. And the big finale for us is right now, we actually have eight stands, not three, and two grounds and not one. So that makes us bigger than pretty much everyone else. There we are, man, unbelievable. Really throwing the gauntlet down to you there, Dominic. <laughs> I want to come back from those stands. Very, very difficult to come back from a pop star statue, but I want you to try. Can you tell us why Fulham are the biggest club here today? I've lived in West London almost all my life at all ends of the socio-economic spectrum. I've lived in Fulham, I've lived in Kensington, I've lived in Chelsea and I've lived in Knightsbridge. And at one stage when times got really hard, my mother was even talking about moving to Ealing. Um, can you imagine? <laughs> now, I can say that until just now, despite living all my life in West London, I'd never even heard of Brentford. <laughs> not the area, not the football club. Is Brentford even a thing? I'm just not convinced. Does it have a Waitrose? Um, <laughs> how can you be reasonably expected to discuss whether one thing that exists is bigger than something that doesn't exist? It's like comparing the internet to God. Um, both are omnipotent, invisible forces that purport to do the same job, but as we know, there is no such thing as the internet. Now, Fulham is undoubtedly the bigger, better football club because it actually exists. It is not a figment of the imagination. And I know that Brentford doesn't exist because there's a comedian friend of mine by the name of Math Brown, who claims to have played for Brentford right back. Now, I've played football with Math many times. He's a good player, good distribution. But at the comedian's football game, Math was not even first pick, unless you were hoping to play one of the gigs he books. And the fact that a former professional player could not even get to be first pick amongst a bunch of clowns running around with large shoes and squeaky red noses in buckets proves that Brentford does not exist. In fact, I know two former Brentford flares because my son's mate, when he was at primary school, his dad's brother-in-law had a mate who was a bloke called Carl Hutchins and he used to play for Brentford too, in the same team, bizarrely, as Math Brown. And that link is so tenuous, it surely proves that Brentford does not exist. Not as an area, not as a football club. Where is Brentford? Brentford is no more real than the European Union. Fulham, on the other hand, what a club, what a history. Think of great players, John Charles, Tom Finney, Jimmy Armfield, none of them have played for Fulham, but other great players, George Best, Bobby Moore, Malcolm McDonald, they all went to Fulham and they were useless. Fulham is the elephant's graveyard of football teams. It's where great players go to die. It is the football equivalent of the late night slot on Radio 2. But at least it exists. Oh, there we are. Just had a good go at it. Spent most of the time not talking about Fulham, just talking about Brentford, which was a shame. I've been to Brentford Fountain Leisure Centre. Oh, wonder. It's got slides. It's got slides, doesn't it? Yeah. It's got. I mean, wave yeah, pool. But Natalie was to say that Brentford would be a greater option at Scrabble. It's not the case, actually. Brentford, despite having nine letters and Fulham having six, Brentford is only fourteen points in total, whereas Fulham is also fourteen points in total yeah, because the F, F and the F. H are both four points and the Can M is three points. Can I just whereas say? Brentford just. Gaz, the F of four points, but the B and the D are only two and the rest are all one. As Natalie said that, I wrote down Scrabble and then I put a little line off it and I said, Stephen will definitely have something to say about this. 
Brentford. <laughs> Fulham, 14 points. Yeah. 14 points. I said Stephen will be working this out as, as, as we sit here. So um, just as, a, as a, uh, somebody the London who writes about economics, just coming in there, um, you know, Fulham gets to the 14 points with just six letters. It's a far more efficient and therefore it's bound to be the but market really, choice. But really, we all want to win on countdown. So yeah, uh, yeah that's true. That. That's true. And also you spend a lot of the time just calling out Matt Brown as not being a footballer, which was... Poor Matt no, Brown. No, I said he's good. Nothing. He's good, but not that good. Well, that's a real shame. And that's his distribution shame. was excellent. Um, and I, I didn't say he wasn't good. I just said he wasn't first pick. I didn't like the whole Fulham argument because it was really punching down onto lonely little Brentford. Oh, um, so Brentford. I'm going to give Brent, and I, I'm, I've missed Natalie and she's back. So I'm going to give her three <laughs> goals. <laughs> Glenn Hoddle said one word to his team at half time, and that was concentration and focus. You're listening to Glory Hunters, the podcast from Talk Sport. Time now to incur the wrath of the sporting gods as we enter the round known as Sporting Heretics. Yes, it's Sporting Heretics. I'm going to invite each member of the panel to think the unthinkable and share an idea they believe will change sport for the better. Previous suggestions have included astrologers for football teams, a transfer window for fans and even a general knowledge round in boxing. It may seem like sacrilege, but here on Glory Hunters, we believe that progress can't be made until we break free of tradition's long shadow and dissolve the sporting monasteries that would prefer a vow of silence. Okay, so uh, Jacob, you're going to go first, and you are saying there should be a points deduction for bad behaviour. Yeah, so this is, uh, obviously at the moment we're in lockdown, there's no football or sport being played, and with football specifically, there's a lot of attention on the players and what they're getting up to. And I think this is one way that you can carry the league on without actually playing another game of football, which is to start awarding and deducting points based on behaviour during lockdown. So the beginning of lockdown, you might have seen Carl Walker had a, a party Mm -hmm. uh, with a specific theme. That's one where you can have points deducted. Uh, Jose Mourinho is pictured going around Enfield with shopping for pensioners, add a few points for Spurs. Uh, Sissoko and Serge Aurier caught in the park exercising together, points deducted again from that. Similar to, I don't know, you've got children in the Harry Potter series, you know that you know, when people behave well, 10 points to Gryffindor. Yes. People behave badly, 10 points from Slytherin. Just a way of keeping the competition going and hopefully someone eventually catching up Liverpool and making sure they don't win the league, even if we start it again. <laughs> so like a fair play award? Yeah, But just for of. lockdown behaviour? Just I, for lockdown behaviour, yeah. I quite like the idea of it being the second half of the season being lockdown behaviour, that all the points you've gained <laughs> now are your basically your good behaviour points and you're now desperately trying to keep the players... And, and, and the winner of the league is the last team that gets to zero. And the idea being is that we've now all got our points. The season, that part, the football part of the season ends, yeah. Jacob. And now all of the teams only lose points when their players or staff misbehave. Yeah, just like whistle, exactly. so, whittled down. Yeah, and but yeah. for everything, you know, like you know, team comes along and says it's going to furlough everybody despite having six and a half billion in the bank. Something yeah, like lovely. that. Three yeah, lovely. points come off. Something like that. And the idea is it just keeps going until one team's left with zero. Because let's be honest, we need something to make Liverpool fans sweat. Yeah. Right. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Because they think they've got it in the bag but the idea that they're they're walking red angels right may in some way lose in the league through their behavior is just brilliant <laughs> and the idea is that this this season only finishes when we've got one team left that isn't on zero, zero and they yeah, want yeah. it very nice and the first three teams to get to zero get relegated yeah <gasps> 
I mean, fantastic. And Jacob, I was going to give you two goals, but then Stephen really, really bumped up your... Well, no, thank you very much. So, really so, I really so I get one of those goals, yeah? <laughs> no, no, no. So, so I'm giving Jacob three goals. Oh, <laughs> three. Great. Great. Very brilliant. Good sport. How good thank do you Thank you very much. We'll, we'll make sure we do the same when you guys have got your suggestions. We wow. absolutely won't. <laughs> Dominic, do you think there should be more VAR? Yeah, my original um, heresy that uh, I was going to um, suggest it has actually been censored. So yeah. uh, as, as a sort of contrarian reaction to this, I'm going to argue me. for more VAR. And just because VAR has been a bit rubbish, saying we shouldn't have tech in football because VAR is rubbish, it's, it's like, you know, saying that nobody should use computers because Amstrad. And um, <laughs> now I... The reason I'm arguing for VAR is because I secretly I actually want it in my own house um, because VAR would prove that I did leave the scissors in the top right, right hand drawer of the kitchen uh, yeah. and that my daughter took them to cut her fringe <laughs> and never put them back. Mm. VAR would prove that my girlfriend ate the bon maman chocolate mousse even though she totally denies it and VAR would prove that my son isn't doing his online classes, except in biology and when I say biology I mean censored <clears throat> again. Now, erroneous nature of VAR would also come in useful when it fails to notice, for example, that I missed my bin day again. Oh. Like the, re the abuse I get, I know. Charlie. Well, and I agree I with the abuse. VAR in the house, the best, especially as I'm ho homeschooling at the moment, uh, Dominic, I like that idea very, very much. More VAR for holding the press to, more also for holding the press to account when they misquote politicians and well, so on. Well, yes, that's a good we idea, just isn't it? VAR in our life more generally. I will say, I think you're in the wrong building for that so um, but there we are uh, <laughs> yes I'm going to give you two goals two goals there Dominic Stephen Grant you think that Formula E rules should apply in other sports right, I'm going to start with my, my point with a question to the rest of our oh, esteemed glory hunters panel and that Trying is to steal my job what rule does Formula E have as a sport that no other rule has or what what Gosh. actual uh feature or technology does um, Formula E have? And obviously I don't mean electric what, vehicles what is racing. Formula E, Formula e, is, e is the electric only FIA racing um, sort of like Formula One but with yeah, electric yeah, I cars. Electric cars. What, I, what I once have? interviewed on TalkSport a Formula E driver blindly, didn't have a thing to say to them, not a clue. They were not impressed with my question which was would it be good if you put a playing card in one of the wheels like you do on a bike to make it have a sap to make it have a sound? <laughs> was not met with any jollity was <laughs> was not a serious journalist that day natalie <laughs> no stephen sorry carry on with does nobody know what the answer to this is no they have a thing in formula e called fan boost what you can do is and it's it's almost a little bit like uh, jacob's idea but taken to the the real-time affair in as much as you can change the outcome of an actual sporting event by fan interaction. Now, realistically, you can do this in sport anyway, because when you're sat in the crowd and you're cheering whatever, and you give people that kind of momentum, and you give them enthusiasm, and you give them confidence, they will obviously perform better. It's proven by virtue of home and away games in virtually all league-based mm -hmm. sports. However, that is next to impossible in motor racing because of the amount of noise involved. And um, even Formula E is still fairly noisy with tyre roar, even though you don't have the engine and the rest of it. So the issue is, is the fans like to feel as if they're involved. And we're getting into a situation now where sport could restart without fans in stadiums. Mm. And I think that fan involvement is 
incredibly important to sport. And yet in Formula E, it exists without the fans having to be there because of fan boost. They can vote for their favorite driver and that driver gets a literal power increase to use at some point during the race. I know you're sitting there thinking, this sounds like travesty, but realistic, what we're doing is we're taking the innovation of Mario Kart I'm yeah. bringing it to speed. <laughs> okay. Power-ups. I mean, come on. Yeah. Well, let's be brutally honest. How many sporting games do you play on a PlayStation or, 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 or a uh, Nintendo Switch or something like that where there is some kind of... I do virtual racing on my cycling. I do Zwift. Yeah. And you can actually get up power-ups when you go around and do it, but it's still your legs that are driving it. So realistically, the idea of power-ups in sport is imminent. And this is the point at which it has to happen. So what, if enough people, I'm going to say, text in. With your favourite player. <laughs> that they get to go like an extra 10 Now, the, the technology of how we apply this to, let's say, for example, football, yeah. which is football is what most people are concentrating on right now. How do we do this? Mm. Now, it's going to be difficult yeah. to do this in real time, but it is not impossible. What, what, sorry, Steve, to... what, what would the power-up be? Would, like, would, would people at home vote which player gets a Lucas Aid at half-time? Oh, we're going a bit further than that. <laughs> Oh, are we talking about the fact that I think all players should carry a certain amount of encumbrance on them? Oh, and right. then that weight gets removed from oh, the players. Like a, horse. Free, yes. like a horse. Like a horse, but in real time. Yeah, like the it. idea is, is that player so can come Harry to Kane the So is the victim of some terrible injustice, and you, we decide that Harry Kane, and the referee got the decision wrong, and we want to boost Harry Kane, yeah. he gets to like, take his weight. He gets 20 can kilos we, taken out of his backpack. Take what the sand out of his socks. Can we add weight if someone no, we think... What a lovely idea. If they got, you know, a Maserati-style... Kick yes. or something yeah. like oh, that. Natalie, we're, we're going to give him points again. No, 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 no. That could be a. You can see by this debate that it's not being thrown out of the water. This is sporting heresy to believe that a player should have their ability changed by fans. But hasn't that always been the case? Doesn't it already exist in Formula E? Isn't it the future to get us through our post-coronavirus glut that fans can literally influence games? I'm open to the ideas, but fan boost is the future. Future, starting with football, ideas open as to how to do it, but fans should be able to vote at home so they're still mm. involved like as if they were in the stadium. Natalie, it's you last, and are you saying sponsor the refs? Yes, yes. I mean, obviously, we want sport to get back as soon as it is safe to do so, but there are, well, there is a group of individuals who are undervalued and repeatedly overlooked, and yet without them, sport can't even take place. And I'm talking about referees, of course. Mm -hmm. uh, they have, as we know, one of the least glamorous roles in sport when they are subject to all the ridicule and abuse uh, for a fraction of the salary that footballers get, let's, let's remind everybody. So it's time for referees to get a slice of the cake, okay. I think. It's time for them to be sponsored as well. In an age when most things in sport are sponsored, it seems a little bit strange that referees aren't entitled to get a little bit of that, as I say, slice of the cake. Currently in the lower league, refs are paid on a match-by-match -match basis with expenses and further up the pyramid, refs do then receive a retainer plus a match fee. But isn't it about time we reward the referees for the work that they do? This plan isn't just confined to football as well. It can be in any sport that have referees and umpires. They should be entitled to negotiate their own deals, to wear the sponsorship on their shirts. It would then mean more financial reward across all divisions and sports, might make the profession more attractive and therefore aid recruitment, and might actually lead to, let's say, because some people aren't happy with the standard of refereeing, maybe a better referees out on the pitch as well. So that's my idea, that we should, mm. they should be able to go out there and negotiate the best deal. As Natalie says, it could improve the 
referee in, not, yes. just, not just in terms of making the referees want to do a better job, but if there's a bit more money coming in and, you know, let's be honest, the sponsorship's going to have to be visible, yeah. they could do int interesting things with that. You know, like Mike Dean could come out with, I don't know, the word McDonald's tattooed lovely. on his arm yeah, like lovely. that. Sure. Send him off to Turkey, get a hair transplant, sure. and he could get it shaved in the back. It's going to be I mean, it's a great idea. Isn't it? Referees are already sponsored. Fury. They have been since, for the best part of the last 10 years, oh. including Specsavers, who did actually sponsor the Scottish referee. Isn't the problem with individuals is that you effectively give them a paymaster and so they're no longer independent? Yeah, but the better mm. his standard. I'm sorry, Steve. Carry on, Dominic. Carry on, Dominic. I'm on the better his refereeing, the greater better sponsorship deal he'll be able to get. That might lead to more respect from the players because they will know, ah, this is the top referee. Yeah. Okay. Natalie, I thought it was a really good idea, and the fact that Stephen found out that it had already happened meant that it's an even better idea. Oh my it? god! <laughs> yeah. It really is. It really oh means it's like a very, yeah. very good idea. Yeah. And also, I've missed you. So, three uh, goals. Oh, yes. wow. If you closed your eyes, you couldn't tell the difference between the two sides. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm Jim White. My local little supermarket has given me a permanent parking space. You're listening to Glory Hunters, the podcast from Talk Sport. Time now for Back in the Day, where we travel back to a landmark moment in both teams' history. Stephen and Dominic, we're going to go back to 2010 and this. Baird. Davis! Fulham have got themselves level. The comeback kings of this season's competition have made it 1-1. Simon Davis' equaliser against Atletico Madrid in the final of the Europa League took the match into extra time where the Spanish side scored a late winner. But what else do you remember of that year? Here we go. Question one. Prior to that year, only two European finals had previously taken place in Hamburg. The most recent was in 1983 when Hamburg faced which British side in the European Super Cup? Was it 
A. That's Aberdeen, or was it B? Everton, or perhaps... Don't you know I'm still standing better than I ever did Looking like a true survivor Feeling like a little kid Watford. Who was it? Aberdeen, Everton, or Watford? Hamburg, what year? Sorry? 1983. 83. My track record is bad, Stephen, but I'm going to guess, I would guess Aberdeen, because I think it's when It's Alex just before Ferguson... Ferguson, just before he left, wasn't yeah. he? Yeah, that's right, because he'd done incredible scenes with him, hadn't he? So, yeah. yeah. Uh, and that's what I was thinking as well. So should we go for that? So you say it, because I don't want to get blamed. OK, fine. <laughs> OK, uh, Dominic's told me to say Aberdeen. <laughs> Aberdeen, let's find out. Yes, Aberdeen won that tie 2-0 over two legs. Question two. Can you tell me who was that season's top goal scorer in the Premier League? Was it A? It's aimed in towards Didier Drogba who gets a header in and he scores! Didier Drogba for Chelsea or B? Gets it across for Rooney! Yes! England have equalised with Wayne Rooney's goal! That's Wayne Rooney but for Man United or perhaps... Torres against Valdez. Round Valdez. He tucks the ball home. Fernando Torres on the counter-attack. That's Fernando Torres for Liverpool. Who was that season's top goal scorer in the Premier League? So this is 2010. 2010. Yep. Didier Drogba, 2010. Wayne Rooney or Torres? 2005 I, I, I and 2006 were both Chelsea, wasn't it? 2010, yeah, no. he was Drogba was in his penultimate year, was he? I don't think it was Torres because I think Torres was actually playing for Chelsea by that point, 2010. Right, OK. And, um, and I, I thought Torres came when Drogba went. He no, did. They, they did play together. Oh, did they? they? Oh, thanks, and Jack. I think I think that commentary. <laughs> oh, yeah, I think sorry. that commentary <laughs> was Torres. <laughs> I think that's that commentary was Torres scoring against Barcelona in the Champions League. Was mm. that 2010 when Chelsea won the Champions League? Anyway, so I, I'm inclined to. And Wayne Rooney, although he's not known as a goal scorer, he did have a sort of bonanza time. So it's, I th I'm going to say Drogba or because Torres was never the player he was for Chelsea that he was at Liverpool. So I, I mean, Jobber had a habit of playing the whole season yeah. in a way that both Rooney and Torres never did. I mean, but I'm not great on Golden Boots. Um, if I was to guess any of them, I would say Rooney. I'm, I'm agreed. Okay, can I say Wayne Rooney, please? Can I get to Wayne Rooney? Let's find out. It's aimed in towards Didier Drogba, who gets ahead of him, and he scores. <laughs> I tried my best to help. <laughs> that was a wonderful argument, a wonderful big discussion to end up at the wrong answer. <laughs> <laughs> Drogba finished that season's top goal scorer with 29 goals. Rooney scored 26 and Torres 22. Question three. 2010 was also the year of World Cup heartbreak for England when Frank Lampard's effort was disallowed against Germany. A moment best illustrated by Mark Sager's off-air commentary. It's a goal! It's a goal! It's a... It's a goal! Boo! Boo! It's a goal! It's a goal! Oh! Miles over the line! <laughs> England went out in the last 16 and Germany finished in third place. But can you tell me what was the official World Cup song that year for Germany? Was it A? 
that's a re-release of David Hasselhoff's I'm Looking for Freedom, or B. That's Andrea Barani with Auf uns. Or was it C? Niemand gibt uns eine Chance. Doch können wir sie dann für immer und immer. Und wir sind dann Herren für einen Tag. That's David Bowie with a German version of Heroes. Who this, was this, this is David us, is Hasselhoff, yeah. Andrea Barani, or David Bowie? I know what I think. Do you know what you think? Well, I think it's the second one because of the Alfunz, which is a perfect German title for a kind of a get behind the football team sort of okay. thing. But which one were you going to say? I've just got a recollection that it's Hasselhoff. Um, Hasselhoff, was Hasselhoff's star still in the ascendancy that long after the fall of the Berlin Wall? He's massive <laughs> in Germany. Yeah, but he was massive at the time. Of the, apparently, he took credit for the fall of the Berlin Wall. No, genuinely, <laughs> Bay, 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 I believe Bay, 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 he was. Apparently, he was the Bay anthem of the, of, of, the, of the wall coming down. Um, he, yeah, he, he stayed big there. He was big... Right until last year, but uh, uh, Stephen, I, I've got I so doff, wrong. Mike, I will doff to the no, Hoff. No, no, you, you go with yours. I'll doff to the Hoff. We'll go, we'll go Hasselhoff. We'll go Hasselhoff. Going to go for Hasselhoff. Whose idea was it? Steven. Steven's no. idea was it? Was it Dominic's idea, Hasselhoff? It's or... joint, joint decision. We're, joint we're decision, team, we're team, we're team. Okay, let's find out. That was Andrea Barani with Auf uns, which means to us. To us, yeah, which Auf uns Steven, what can I say except in Schuldigung? <laughs> I think you're secretly a David Hasselhoff fan as well. I thought you might have used your your logic from the Aberdeen question, Stephen, where you went, well, why would they include this song? Yeah. So, at the end of that round, you scored one goal, which means you are on six. Brentford are on ten. Jacob and Natalie, we're going back to 2014, the year Brentford won promotion to the Championship. A moment which is perhaps best summed up in song. QPR, where you ain't got a come far. In an overcrowded market, that is one of the worst football songs <laughs> I've ever heard <laughs> in my I life. I didn't want to shazam it, shazam it in case it came back going, no idea who that <laughs> yeah, is. is Brentford returned to the second tier of English football after an absence of 22 years. But what else do you remember of that year, 2014? Question one, it was another World Cup year and more heartache for England, who went out at the group stages. But can you tell me which team conceded the most goals at that year's tournament, was it? A. Brazil, where hearts were entertaining June. Brazil, or B. Open Gangnam Style. Gangnam Style. Open Gangnam Style. South Korea, or perhaps C. This is the word. This is the word. This is the word that you heard. It's got a 
Greece. <laughs> was it Brazil, South Korea, or Greece that let in the most goals at the 2014 World Cup? Well, obviously, Brazil were hammered by it was Germany. Seven-one, wasn't yeah. it? In the semi, was it the semi-final? I think so. Yeah. And so, we, and then so logic if applies it. That gives that means they would have conceded goals in the group stage, potentially yeah. round of 16 and the quarter-final as well. Yeah. South Korea are obviously bad at football, which would you know, imply that they've probably conceded a lot of goals. Greece have always been a team that are quite good defensively. When they won the Euros, it's because they were good mm. at defending. Mm. That was a long time ago and also a bit of a freak occurrence, so maybe not the best logic to follow. <laughs> I'm tempted to say Brazil. I am as well, yeah? just because the amount of matches they would have played. I can't remember what happened with Greece and South Korea, whether they went out in the group stages, but you can't imagine they'd let in overall more than seven, eight, nine goals. No. And, and also to use Stephen's logic about the sort of question thing, why would you have Brazil in that question unless they'd done that? Yeah, so, let's do that. Let's do it. Brazil, please, Charlie. Questioning the question masters. Let's go and find out. Brazil. Yes, Brazil conceded 14 goals at the tournament. South Korea and Greece both conceded five. Question two. 2014 saw Man City win the Premier League and Arsenal win the FA Cup. But can you tell me who was named Premier League Manager of the Season? Was it A? That's Manuel Pellegrini with Man City or B? Jose Mourinho with Chelsea, or perhaps... Tony Poulis with Crystal Palace. Who was Premier League manager of the season 2014? Man City won the league, Arsenal won the FA Cup. Well, I can't see why Mourinho would have... I think that might have been the year that he came in and made them decent after they were horrendous. Right. I'm oh. I'm leaning towards Mourinho actually. Oh, are you? In a weird way, I don't oh. know why. Well, look, uh, if you want, I I would have gone well, with Pulis just because I think it's a bizarre one to have in there. But if you want to go with Mourinho, Jose Mourinho, please. Go for Jose Mourinho. Let's find out. It was Tony Pulis with Crystal Palace. Here we go. Question three. Can you tell me which was the Oxford English Dictionary's word of the year for 2014? Was it A? Selfie. Or B? Omni shambles. Or C? Vape. Which was it? Should we hear them one more time? A? Selfie. B? Omni shambles. Or C? Vape. Selfie, Omni shambles. 2014. Or vape in 2014. Uh, Oxford think... English Dictionary's word of the year. Of the three, selfie's the one that stands yeah, out to me. I, think... I don't even remember, don't even know about Omni shambles. No, I don't. I think it's selfie. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Let's go with it. Selfie, please, go Charlie. Selfie. Let's find out. Vape. Vape was the OED's word of the year. Omni Shambles was 2012 and Selfie 2013. Stephen Gerrard looks like he's been playing for England all his international career. 
Here on Glory Hunters, we like to ask the big questions, and that's why we do this. Our esteemed panel are about to be subjected to the scrutiny of the general public as we play A Question of Sport Time. Now, obviously, given the current restrictions, the public are having to ask their questions remotely. So can we have our first question, please? Hello. I'd like to ask the panel, aside from VAR, what are you missing least about sport at the moment? Jacob Hawley. I'm missing team mascots the least mm. in football. It feels like when the board meeting happened to, dis to discuss the creation of football, it was something that was put in that someone should have sort of rubbished at the beginning. And somehow now we, we, we have a situation where adults pay huge amounts of money to, to go to big stadiums and watch elite sport whilst a man runs around in a dinosaur outfit. <laughs> and it, it, the problem is I, I take sport very seriously, I take football very seriously. And it's, you know, I, I invest a decent amount of money each season to be a season ticket holder at my club, which my partner finds ridiculous. And I sit down and, you know, over a drink, I'll try and profoundly explain to her why football and sport is so important, why it's the new religion, why it brings people together, why the, the way that it kind of expands a bond sort of, uh, beyond sort of like class boundaries, the, beyond, you know, people can move across countries in the name of sport. Mm. It, it brings fans together, it brings players together in the search for elite sporting heroics. And then a man in a dinosaur outfit comes onto the pitch <laughs> at the Emirates and rubbishes my argument and proves to her that the whole thing is ridiculous. Also, one thing I quite like in sport that I'm sure most people would agree is it, 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 sport is respectful of the right things. Uh, you know, but sport commemorates people who've lost their lives in wars, things like that. There, there are nice moments where we have a minute's silence mm. at the start of a game and nothing looks more ridiculous than when someone dressed as a mascot mm. has to stand with their arms around the players <laughs> pretending to observe a minute's silence. Mm. Two goals for you, Jacob. Stephen Grant. I am missing least, by quite some distance, mindless internet slanging matches mm. between armchair fans of opposing clubs who probably don't <coughs> go to nearly as many games but love nothing more than a faceless argument behind a computer screen. Okay. Normally to kind of make a point purely on the basis of putting their opponent down. Now, I'm not entirely of the happy, clappy, hold hands, everyone love Natalie approach towards sporting. Oh. <laughs> okay, like and I do love a, a little bit of confrontation because I find... You know, the tribal element of football allows us to vent those angers in such a kind of a decent way that everyone goes, it's just sporting rivalry, put it to bed and we get on with our lives. But there is something about internet arguments from opposing fans that makes you feel like that no one is putting their A-game to these sort of tete-a-tetes. You know, and, and it normally starts with anybody using an insult that has a poor pun on the actual club's oh, nice. name, yeah. you know, nice. like this, you know, Chelsky, because they've got a Russian owner. Liverpool, Liverpool, Liverpool. Absolutely, like this. The, the lack of seeing that in regular day-to-day -day internet discourse yeah. is something that I've punched the air. It's up there with the reduction, reduction in pollution. Do you, right, do you, okay, you know, would you not say, Stephen, it's responsible for some of the funniest moments in recent football history? Oh. Like those ridiculous. Like I mean, famously at Arsenal, there was a man called. Blackburn George, and this was when Arsenal were looking to buy Jackson Martinez, uh, who, who was claiming that it was a waste of money to spend that much money on a 29-year-old striker from the Portuguese league. So, someone replied to him to say he, he, he's actually 28. Uh, Blackburn George uh, came back and said, well, he's nearer 29 than 28. That's a fact. <laughs> 
<laughs> and they, they, I've got it right, they, they argued for nearly two hours <laughs> with someone having to say to him, he's literally 28 until he's 29, that's how it works. <laughs> but, like, I, I know what you're saying when it gets ridiculous when we're talking about Liv Arpool and things like that, but yeah. I, I think slices of comedy like that Make, make online discourse between awful football fans just about worth it. Jacob, you make a very good point that you've given an outlet to people who are so stupid they can't argue in real life. But unfortunately, <laughs> I can't agree with you for the simple reason that every time I have, it has caused a yeah. point <laughs> having paid from this side of the, Stephen, of the equation. I, I think you've made an excellent point. I don't miss internet arguments whatsoever because I've muted the TalkSport Twitter feed. <laughs> <laughs> but just to pick up on that on social media when people know who you might support and you don't know them but they'll just tweet you when t your team is lost yeah, to they them love I think, that. Well, yeah, yeah. why are you getting me involved in this that's because yeah. you're a celebrity fan but that's not on three goals for you Stephen can we have our next question please hello panel sports stars are notoriously superstitious but I wonder what superstitions you have and why Dominic uh, I'm extremely superstitious oh. always have been I'm convinced there's a guardian angel looking out for me I find making decisions exhausting particularly small decisions so I flip coins to make small decisions all the time and even David sometimes <laughs> <laughs> so I flip coins all the time and um, in fact when I um, just before I proposed to my first wife I flipped a coin and it told me not to do it and I did it anyway and oh. let's, let's see how that ended um, and my uh, she got mother... the coin <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she certainly did <laughs> and she knew the coin that was lovely what a lovely joke very good is. well done yeah, put down, it in Stephen. very good but my mother uh, when she got divorced from my stepfather we didn't talk to a lawyer we actually um, talked to a clairvoyant Really? Yeah. Oh, goodness me. Didn't work. Anyway, I want to give you one or three goals. I'm not quite oh. sure, Dominic. So, um, ask, ask. Uh, I'm going to give heads three, tails one. Here we go. There it is. Oh, oh. it's heads. It fell yes. off my hands. Oh. It was heads. Three goals. I told you I had a guardian angel. There we are. <laughs> Very, very good. Three goals for you there. In the dying moments of the game, we move now into injury time, where each side has 60 seconds to score as many goals as possible. Losing side goes first. It's currently 2019 to Brentford, so Fulham, you will go first. I'm going to list a series of card games. I need you to tell me which are true, which are false. When your time is up, you'll hear this sound. All I need from you is true or false. You're on 19 points. Here we go. Your time starts now. Blackjack. True. It is true. The King and I. False. It is false. My Sharona. False. It is false. Canasta. True. True. It is true. Colonic. False. It is false. Baker's Game. True. It's true. Poldark. False. It is false. Beggar My Neighbour. True. True. It's true. The King of Hearts Has Five Sons. False. It's true. Border Force. False. It is false. Open Kimono. True. It's false. Crazy Eights. True. true. It's true. Snip Snap Snorum. True. True. It's true. Carjacker. False. It is false. Sheep's Head. True. It's true. Honky Tonk. True. It's false. All Fours. True. It's true. Cat Litter. False. It's false. Bohemian Schneider. False. It's true. Wednesday. True. True. It's false. <laughs> Black Hole. False. It's true. Tom Tom Club. <sighs> true. It's false. Stalactites. False. It's true. My, my ship sails. True. It's true. And the noisy neighbours. True. It's false. Terrible. Very, very good, though. Wednesday was my favourite of the whole list. 
Wednesday being a card game. Really slow card game. Who wants to play Wednesday? Who <laughs> 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 was a game of Wednesday on a rainy afternoon? <laughs> Wednesday. Well, at the end of that round, you scored 16 wow. goals, which takes you to 35. Brentford, you're Big. on 20 goals currently, mm -hmm. so you require 16 to win. Oh. I'm going to list a series of board games. All you have to do is tell me which are true or false. When your time is up, you'll hear this sound. Omni shambles. Understand? True or false? Got it. Your time starts now. Pandemic. True. It is true. The shipping forecast. True. It's false. Battleships. True. It's true. Warhammer. True. It's true. Embassy siege. False. It's false. Stonehenge. True. It's true. Brexit the board game. False. True. Oh, go on. True. True. It's false. Build a better dystopia. False. It's true. Oh. Breakfast of Champions. True. It's false. Mississippi Queen. True. It's true. Mafia Shakedown. True. It's false. Antiquity. True. It's true. Tuppity Nudger. False. It is false. <laughs> Twilight Struggle. True. False. No. False. It's true. Monty oh, Don's Vegetable Patch. <laughs> true. It's false. <laughs> Backgammon. True. It's true. Southwest Trains The Gauntlet of false. Sunday Travel. False. It's false. The Merchant of Venice. True. It's true. The Game of Life. True. It's true. Harbour Master. False. It's false. Ticket to Ride. True. It's true. Slum Landlord. False. It's false. Power Grid. True. It's true. Both of the board game. False. It's false. Only shambles. I did say. It's going to be so close. I said. He said. I said. And then it came in. Civil War General. True. It's false. No! And at the end of that round, you scored 17. Oh! 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 Which means you got 37 over Fulham's 35. Stephen, those two goals I took from you with a difference in the end. How does that feel? It makes me feel as if it's cooked. Oh, well, <laughs> you never know. You well, never maybe, know. maybe you should have been sponsored and that would have changed things. <laughs> Dominic, one game of Glory Hunters, one defeat. How does that feel? Well, I feel like a loser, Charlie. Well, good. Well done. <laughs> and <laughs> Brentford, Natalie, another win I'm for them. I'm delighted. We are the pride of West London, so yes. <laughs> it is. Does this shift the power to West London, do you think, Jacob? What, from North London in terms of... From West oh, London right. to West from London. From West London to West Westish London. London to real West London. I think we've proved that Brentford absolutely exists. Yeah. It does exist. Yes. We're on the map. They're, we're, they're on the map. Tripped up. You say he punched the air after yeah. a goal. You say he's not sponsored, but who bought the celebrations? Brentford Fountain Ledger Centre. There we are. To our winners, we say. A championship. A championship. Pick up the bees in the championship. And for the losers. Oh, good for you. And how was it? <laughs> Seriously, man, you and me, we're done professionally. My thanks to Natalie, Jacob, Stephen and Dominic. Until next time, from myself and everyone here, it's goodbye. There we are. Brentford. Yes. This week's champions, Natalie. Be eating People's the peppers champion. tonight. There'll be more poppadoms for everyone in peppers tonight. <laughs> Charlie Bacon, a new voice of peppers in Hounslow. <laughs> peppers in Hounslow. It's, just, it's lovely peppers, I must say. Oh, yeah. oh, I really enjoy it. But yeah, I'm very happy that we, we beat, beat that lot down the road. Exactly. There we are, Dominic. You could be able I just to... feel that peppers needs a lighter read. Oh, lighter <laughs> <read>. <laughs> My voice over was good enough for peppers. it. Okay. <laughs> Try peppers. I don't like the sound. No, no, thank you. Not for you. Not for you. We'll go with a female voice. Um, <laughs> Stephen, Stephen, um, did you enjoy yourself at least? Um, you know what? In these sort of contests, even when it's a, a defeat and it's a close defeat, you have to think about whether you enjoyed yourself. No, no, he didn't. There we are. No, <laughs> thanks for joining us on the Glory Hunters podcast this week. Do 
rate and subscribe and tell all your friends and we'll see you again soon. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 